Hello and welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of sporting directors, delve deeper into this multifaceted role and its impact within football across the globe. My name is Shailash, I'm the CEO at Get Football Group, and I'll be your host today. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, David. David, how are you this morning? I'm well, Shailash. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, at the time of recording, we're just coming up to the end of August, the end of the transfer window. So let's see what um, I don't know what fun and games happen in this period. But um, but David, t- today what what we wanted to kind of talk about was something that I've I've been thinking about, and you know we've been talking about. You know, you've got a lot of these big money transfers in football, right? And we talk about a lot of you know, how the skill of sporting directors and their recruitment skill, looking at players, looking at development, you know, th- th- those are really key, I guess, attributes of a sporting director. So I wanted to kind of focus a bit on not necessarily the big money transfer and the money involved, but more on what that does to, I guess, a sporting director and the way they operate when they're in an environment where, I guess, cash is is, is predominantly available. Um so I guess I guess my first question for you really is, you know, can do you actually judge a sporting director on on big money transfers? I mean, what kind of things do you look at? I mean, well, it, it's a it's a interesting question, but it, it there's layers to it. So when you say a big money transfer, what what do you have in mind? Just so that we're well, on the same page. Well, I, I guess I guess you know if we look at what's happened in the past, I guess just few weeks, you know, you got. You know, Moises Caicedo finally chose to go to to Chelsea. You know, for 100 million plus. We've had several hundred million plus euro transfers in the last, I guess, for this year, right? So, you know, the sporting directors that were involved with these types of transfers, you know, how do you judge if that player has done well or whether it was money well spent? You know, for a club. I know obviously if they win, then it's good. If they don't win, it's not good. But in terms of a sporting director. Are they in a win-win situation when it just comes to spending that kind of cash? Yeah, that's okay. So you're, you're asking me to be the bad guy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's it, how it works, right? Good cop, bad cop. <laughs> I am exactly who I am. But <laughs> no, I mean, at the end of the day, it is the question as far as um, if you're an owner or you're a, a board, how is our uh, key man doing, right? What What is... What what is his um, let's call it ratio of good decisions to bad decisions, right? And um, I'm gonna say this, and it's in in theory in a vacuum, it's one thing, but in reality, it, it's another. Uh, the big money transfers are supposed to be the same. You're supposed to be able to do not be able. You should you should do the same amount of homework. It requires the same amount of. Uh, it's like continuity and, and diligence from the whole entire recruitment setup, not just the sporting director, correct? Like you, you need to have the relationships with the intermediaries, the family, the entourage. You need to have character check. You need to have all these things, right? Um, that being said, um, the uh, I'll try not to use too big a words here, but one of the uh, <laughs> most important risks uh, when we talk about money especially at the higher or the deeper, the deeper end of the pool is risk, 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 risk. The more you spend, the riskier it is. It doesn't matter if it's Erling Holland, Moises Caicedo, um, or however many um, 
huge. I mean, I don't even know what the, the Saudis are, are, are dumping out on players as of yesterday. Um, the more you spend, the, the riskier it is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So uh, that immediately turns the mirror on not the sporting director necessarily, but it turns it on the club and the identity of the, of the club. One of the truths in life is that you as a person, no matter how skilled or principled you are, you are going to mirror your environment. What does that mean in this context? If you work at a club like, say, Chelsea, where you can spend money to a certain, well, to a higher level, let's be honest, you're going to spend money to a higher level. I mean, I'm not saying that as, as it's good or it's bad. I'm just saying that is the environment. However, if you go to, let's say, uh, Udinese or Empoli or Sassuolo or, or um, you know, uh, SC Freiburg, Union Berlin, you go to clubs like that, they, I mean, they're allergic, allergic to spending a lot of money because there is an inherent identity in that's not what we do here. Okay. So to answer your question more directly, the the um, the the packaged answer is always it depends right it depends but the more direct answer for me is that there has to be a runway there has to be a timeline are we giving um, sporting director X three seasons um, what 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 are his benchmarks what are his or her benchmarks do we need to get in Champions League by 2025 you know like there has to be no one player. Uh, no one transfer is going to bring you over the line per se. Um, it, it's a it's a confluence of lots of smaller, relatively speaking, decisions. So there has to be, in my opinion, to do it fairly, there has to be what is our objective, what is our timeline, and what were the decisions that the sporting director made. Interesting. So let's let's just look at Chelsea we always talk about Chelsea but let's look a bit more in depth at Chelsea just a little bit I mean you've got two um two people there Paul Winstanley who you know who was previously Brighton's head of scouting you've got Lawrence Stewart who's who's been at multiple I guess we would call developmental clubs as technical directors sporting directors like Monaco Salzburg Leipzig right in a scouting capacity you go to an environment like Chelsea where literally you're just buying players right now I don't know, those two guys who are in those roles don't strike me as the type of people who have been in an environment where you're just buying lots of talent. Um, but is this, I guess, a dream for them, right? To be at a club where you could just get any player you really want to do or, or are you diluting their skills somewhat? So everything I'm about to say is my own opinion. Okay. Yeah, I don't, yeah, of course. Don't, yeah. I don't have, I'm making vast assumptions here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so, so, so I guess, I guess, to, to step it back a little bit. If you're accustomed to a certain type of role, a certain type of way of working, all right, and you get thrust into an environment where it feels like it's different, where there's another, I guess, well, another attribute at play here, which maybe wasn't there previously. It's a case of do you embrace that or do you see that as a bit of a threat? I guess is, is, is maybe a different way to look at it. If, if you think about it as a job perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm, what I'm about to say is still the same answer. I mean, for me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is, is, is my opinion, my observation. 
And it's ironically similar to what I said in the previous question. You rise or fall to those around you. If if you're in a club that is buying and, and, and you know, uh, offloading players, you're going to take that on to a certain degree. Not because you you don't want to or that you're good at it or it's a, you know, use the word dream. And I think that's an interesting word as just as far as framing it. And none of those things are good or bad. Let's be let's be clear here. None of those things are good or bad. Or bad is how how do we, you know, I say this a lot, um, and I don't think it, it has enough weight in the football world. What is your club identity? What is your cl- if you don't have a club identity, it's not so much that you're not going to do things well. That is not the point I'm making. It's more so that you, it turns into this. Um, it, it turns into this game where the only real way to judge your efficacy as a director is quite frankly transfers and transfers and championships right and that's to me again that's not good or bad but that's hollow for me that's hollow we talked about building or burning right and i would say the majority of directors that i've observed and i've researched the majority of them have one skill that is discernible and that skill for the most part is being able to assemble some do it way better than others some do it with deeper pockets than others um relatively speaking um but you're going to you're going to spend the money that you have period unless you have a clear identity you unless what what is your club's identity right to, to me, when, and I'll just, I'll, I'll combine what you asked me previously and then this question, and I'll use two clubs, well, I might even use three clubs as an example. The difference to me, to me, the difference between, say, the money, and this is unfair, I'm making unfair uh, correlations here, but bear with me. The difference between what Chelsea does and AC Milan does and, say, um, I will use Bayern because they spent a lot of money on on Harry Kane. Um, the difference is who, <laughs> who, like, let's use food analogies. Who is who is cooking? Who is the chef? Right? Like, like who? It's one thing to have the ingredients, and I won't um, humor myself by making up a dish that we're making, uh, a la the transfer <laughs> market. But like, who who is cooking? Um, in Bayern, we know who's cooking, right? We, we, we know there's there's three key players and they are out in the media. One of them is made is they're making sure that is Heiner, that he's standing with the signings with Harry Kane and the other two, their honorary chairman, which basically means that uh, Uli Honus and um, uh, the other ones, his name is escaping me. Um, Rumenega, uh, they're, they're making sure that how Bayern does it is consistent and their identity and their level of standard of community and uh, ethics is high. At Chelsea, what I can see from afar um, is, I mean, I don't. It's not overly negative at all. Um, but my my concern from the Jump Street has been: okay, will Mauricio Pochettino be allowed to cook for three seasons? Will he be allowed to take all these ingredients and create something? Um, the, the the level of uh, aggregation of talent that they're doing is impressive, but but to what end? 
right? Like what, like what is, what, and I say that specifically for the manager, like to what end, what, what are we, what are we expecting out of that? Right. And that needs to be defined because the media, the supporters will define it for you unless you define it. Right. And then if we uh, go across the, uh, the pond in a sense to uh, AC Milan, um, they're doing similar stuff, um, not as high profile, um, but you look at uh, getting Pulisic, getting, um, uh, geez, what is his name? Uh, Eunice from uh, Valencia. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're betting on their manager ahead of Paolo Maldini. And, and you know, uh, they have uh, Jeffrey Moncada still in house and they still have uh, Redbird behind the whole the whole uh, operation. I'm not here to say what works, what I prefer. It, does, it doesn't matter what I think about it. However, their identity, their identity, those three clubs is part and parcel to how and why they operate. Right. Um, I made the comment before. Um, when we talk about hijack deals, it's not opportunity is opportunity, right? It, opportunity is opportunity. But how many times, how many times, and this is actually a credit to Chelsea. I know that, you know, they're either, they're being, either being questioned or panned for how they're doing it. How many times was the Kai Sedo deal potentially hijacked? Right? Like, I, I, I mean, to me, from somebody who has a somewhat passing interest and i try not to be too you know uh update by update about it kai said only wanted chelsea right seemingly or that's what he said liverpool came in uh, i don't know who what other clubs came in but what that tells you is that they are doing things in a structured um relational way it's just at the deeper end of the pool um budget wise so None of these clubs, any club that I that I would even talk about um, or that we would bring up that has uh, the high money and the high the high uh, high visibility transfers, um, it, we can't judge these things in real time. In fact, that's not smart. Um, the the smart thing to do is to wait, is to wait a season or three <laughs> before we can uh, correctly uh, attribute decision making or or pass fail or however we want to begin. That evaluation process. Yeah, you're you're right in that respect. In terms of, at the end of the day, Chelsea have got it done. I guess with all of their transfers, mostly, right? Um, is it a case of because they just gave more money or not? We'll, we'll never know. All right, but that's what it looks like from the outside world. But there is definitely something. Um, feels like he's cooking there, right? People have struggled i guess to understand their identity we all struggle to understand it apart from they're just accumulating talent but they are accumulating young talent you know they seem to have like we mentioned sporting directors who seem well versed with working with young talent a manager in place now who i guess has worked with young talent and pushed them forward so maybe they are putting the pieces in i guess like you said has pochettino going to be given enough time in the building to be able to assemble it all and and, and make it operate and on the AC Milan side, actually, um, we talked about fit and alignment previously as well and, and, and Maldini leaving, um, you know, and they've brought in some players now. And we talked about rescue and profiles last week. I would probably argue Christian Pulisic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek are maybe profiles that needed rescuing a little bit. Um, is that a different strategy? I don't know. You tell me. Is that a different strategy you'll see in that AC compared to what they've been doing previously? Ooh, um... I disagree. I disagree. I don't. I don't think. 
Um, and this is me. This is how I see it. I, I think what AC Milan is doing is 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 dangerous. Um, what what they're essentially doing is they're going from a model that won them the uh, the Scudetto two seasons ago, where uh, they're bringing um, some ascending talents. Yes, obviously, but they had a core. They had a core in Italy. They call it a senatore. They had they had older veteran professional players who knew how to handle themselves, and they would shepherd or lead the younger players in that manner for thirty eight weeks. Um, it's not going to have it's not going to have as much play now. Um, but Ibrahimovic retiring is a big deal, okay? Because that is a standard bearer. We love him or hate him. Um, he's one of Mourinho's guys, but uh, love, <laughs> love him or hate him, there's a, uh, there's a level of uh, professionalism that he brought to that club. So when you see Rafael Leao, um, uh, you, you have players like Brahim Diaz leave. Uh, essentially, to me, what they're doing is that it, it gets dangerous now because now you're, you're treading water and you're putting, you're, putting wa- um, you're putting more faith in the manager than the setup in a sense that you're trying to bring in more ready-made talent for that level than what you did, I mean, at most 18 months ago. So uh, I like Loftus-Cheek. I like uh, Pulisic as far as, let's just call them um, pros. But at the same time, I mean, again, and we've talked about it before we started recording, now you have higher wages and you have players that have a certain standard now and they have a certain expectation of their standard of play, right? And at the end of the day, again, we'll, we'll see how well they do, but they sold, um, I believe it was a definitive transfer. They sold uh, Charles de Ketelaer, I forget. Uh, they, they, they sold him to Atalanta. He scored at the weekend. Um, I'm not saying that like they're, they're proven to be wrong or idiots. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying more so is that you've gone from a model of let's climb the ladder and let's let's methodically, fiscally be responsible in how we pay ascending talents to now you're paying for talent. And that and, and to go back to Chelsea, because, you know, they're my, one of my favorite clubs to talk about on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> not always my choice. No, I'm kidding. But um, to go back to Chelsea, one of the things that makes it to where it's either diabolical or damning, you know, to be honest, is that they're getting this talent. They're paying a lot for this talent and they're, 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 the, the wages are commensurate or at the level of the rest of the league, right, for the most part. Um, let's just say barring Manchester United, Manchester City, maybe Arsenal, uh, maybe. Um, but when you're paying for that level of talent and you're paying also a transfer fee, and you're also playing, uh, paying wages. You ha- like you have to get a return. You have to get a return. Let me say that again for those of you who didn't hear me. You have to get a return. There has to be a tangible return on the spreadsheet as well as on the pitch. So circling back to what I'm saying, you know, like with AC Milan, yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll be fine. Whatever that means, I think, I hope. But now, financially, you're playing, you're playing at that deeper end of the pool. And you, you take yourself back to a place where prior to um, 
their climb back up to respectability. And then I say respectability as far as they're, they're always one, two, or three in Serie A, right? Uh, and there was times where they were, there was a good stretch where they were well outside the top three. What am I saying? I'm basically saying that now that now they're paying for grade A talent, there needs to be grade A performance on the pitch. And because there has to be grade A performance on the pitch, heads will roll unless that happens. And the players are, it's, it's ironic, you know, players are brought in to uh, raise the level, so to speak, but they're the last to leave when, <laughs> when it doesn't work. Other people above them get axed, right? So it, um, it, it, it will be the storyline because I personally have my doubts, but that's just me. Your, your doubts on AC Milan's strategy? Yes. Yes, because you, I mean, and maybe there's, this is the, the, the former athlete and dare I say the romantic side of me, you lose, you, um, you usher Paolo Maldini and Ricky Massara out the door. Uh, Zlatan, Ibrahimovic, uh, wow, Zlatan Ibrahimovic leaves. Um, so it's not that there's a drain of talent. That's not what I'm saying. But Milan, when I think of Milan, Inter, and Juventus, I think of the old, crusty, battle-hardened players. I think of Buffon. I think of Bonucci. I think of Chiellini. I think of... Um, uh, for Inter, I think of, man, I'm going back to the Mourinho days, but I, I think of Cambiasso, I think of Maicon, I think of all these guys that are long gone. They're long gone. You know, even Ibrahimovic played for all three teams. Go figure, right? Um, but, like, I think of players, men who understood that, you know what, we need to stay alive during the summer months. We need to not be overly terrible in September, August, September, October, but we need to turn it on going into the Christmas break because we will get, you know, that's the difference between Italy and say uh, the premier league in Italy. If you're not doing well, they won't let you get, leave the, the, the training grounds. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that they know what the level and the standard is of performance in that country. Um, and the players, the players need to be aware of that. And what I see in AC Milan is, you know, like I said, I don't, it's not that it's not going to work, but, but what happens when it doesn't, who's going to write the ship in the changing room? Who, like who, who's going to, um, who's going to be the shield, the foil, right? Uh, one of the, I don't know if we talked about this, but one of the interesting stories uh, that came out about Sevilla last, uh, this summer, but it was, uh, I believe earlier this year was Isco who signed with uh, Betis, which makes you wonder because Betis and Sevilla are eternal enemies in Seville or Sevilla, right? But uh, Isco basically said that he got in, <laughs> got in a fight with uh, Monchi uh, and what he's, what Monchi said wasn't true and they got in a fist fight and they had to be separated. Let me first and foremost say it probably happened. Let's be honest. It probably did happen. Let's be, I mean, let's <laughs> be honest. It probably did happen, right? Um, and, and, uh, his word, uh, you know, Monchi versus Isco, however you want to frame it, that's fine, but take a step back and think about what still happened. What still happened? Monchi and, and, um, you know, I need to be honest. I'm biased. I believe that Monchi is probably the most underrated, say what you want. He is one of the most underrated recruitment minds 
in the last half century simply because he does not speak English. He will not get enough credit for what he has done and what he continues to do for recruitment setups. And that's a conversation for another time. But he still was able to lead their entire recruitment setup, but then also keep, I'm going to call it in quotation marks, the peace in the changing room and with the manager to still get results out of the first team. Isco, obviously not, right? (laughs) Obviously not. He was released, you know, this, that, and the other. But it speaks to this greater level. And I keep going back to it. What is your club identity? We can talk about numbers. We can talk about wages. We can talk about transfers. We can talk about whatever we want to talk about, right? Um, It it really is binary to me. Um, You either have an identity and a vision or you don't. And the clubs that don't, they get lucky when they have money. They get lucky when they have a budget. They get players who want to get paid more, right? What human being uh, does a job or a task or a service and doesn't want to get paid more for it than the next person? None of them. (laughs) None of them. We all want to get paid more for what we do, whether it's kicking a ball or it's writing papers or teaching a class. Do we all want to get paid more, right? So I never fault the, um, the player uh, for signing a contract with Chelsea, Manchester City, whatever. I don't care if they're 18. I don't care if they're 38. Doesn't matter. I, I won't fault the player for wanting uh, better wages, better uh, compensation. However, at the club level, if you do not have an identity, if you do not have a vision, it makes it it, it, it makes it to where, like I said, you're, you're going to get lucky sometimes. You're going to get lucky, but you being lucky to me means that you have to get more factors right. You have to have the right manager. You have to have the right injuries or absences in the rest of the clubs in your league to take advantage of them not performing higher on the pitch. Like you have to have so many things that fall into your favor that to me, it's unsustainable. But in terms of that identity, right, when we look at Milan and we look at Chelsea, those are the two clubs we'll folk. And, you know, there seems to be a, a bit of misalignment it feels like but is it down to the sporting director to create not not necessarily create that identity but i, I guess i mean what i mean what is the responsibility of the sporting director i guess in these scenarios and I mean, which one which one of those clubs feels like a, a an environment where a sporting director i guess would want to go i mean they'd pick up any challenge i guess but how, how much of the work do, that they do influences getting back to the identity or, or creating a new one? Uh, that's a great question. It, it is club by club, but it always starts at the top. Always, always starts at the top. So whoever the chairman, owner, or the board is, that is their responsibility. The sporting director is the first lieutenant of the club. His job, his his marching orders are to make sure that everything aligns with the objectives set forth by the ownership and or the board. So in that regard, um, when you have, and I've heard the term flat, I don't know if that, I don't know if I really, um, I don't know, it, it, it kind of works in say like Scandinavia, where there is less, um, how do I say this, uh, culturally, even politically, they have a more flat uh, hierarchy, if you will. Everybody does their job well, and they, they you know, they can say, hey, David, Woo, uh, that, are you sure you want to take that to the board meeting? Because I see holes in it. And I won't take that personal because I know 
that you you care more about the club, you care more about us as a whole than you know yourself or me. Um, in other cultures, that's not really the same, and or sorry, that's not as prevalent. And to me, when I mean, I mean, I'll say it, I, I'll say it. I, I, Chelsea has 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 some high power, technically high power recruitment minds. I don't I don't know if they get to make the final decision. Um, as far as um, when I say final decision, obviously that's always going to go to the you know the ownership board, what have you. But I don't know how much. Um, power they really have none of us do we're outside the club i don't know um i, I when you go on a spree like that or, or do i say go on a spree when you are on a spree like that for the past two years that starts at the top it starts at the top it, that that's not a um <laughs> that's, that's not a spreadsheet you know what i'm saying like like that is something that is dictated from the top uh ac milan I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, financially, like I said, it, it 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 makes sense. And for both clubs, for AC Milan and Chelsea, it makes sense to do as they are doing with a clear, defined and communicated objective. Um, forgive me. Do we know what Chelsea's objective is for the season? Has it been stated publicly by Todd Bowley or Mauricio Pochettino? No, not that I've seen, but I can imagine it's it's Champions League. It's my hunch, but they've not said it. So that, to me, is the bigger problem. And I say that respectfully. Not because we on the outside need to know, but what are, I mean, what are we aiming at? You know, because you basically make it to where, and this is where I said at the top, if I'm going to hire a, a three-star Michelin chef as a manager, as in Mauricio Pochettino, I want to protect him from as much hearsay and, and fodder as possible. In good faith, he may not be up to task, right? We don't know. Time will tell. However, if our objective is to be Champions League, it needs to be, it needs to be abundantly clear if he's meeting it or not. It's better for everybody, right? Um, in, a, <laughs> in a bygone era, and it's, I laugh because I have to be careful how I talk about it for so many reasons. And in a bygone era, and the Abramovich, um, let's call it, uh, era, well, the Abramovich era, oh, I mean, here in the States, this is when NBC was taking on more Premier League coverage. Um, when I say taking on more, they take on all, took, took it all on. And Andres Villas-Boas was the manager of Chelsea they might as well have had a ticker for how many hours, uh, you know, until he gets sacked at the bottom of their production screen, because it was obvious that he was not meeting the, the standard that they had set. And that knowing the standard, knowing the identity, knowing the vision of the club is part and parcel to being able to communicate the standard to the players. Um, if the players don't understand the level of the club, and that's the that's the other danger of bringing in high money players, especially high money younger players, they might be very very good, but they might not understand what is necessary at Chelsea to survive. It's not that they're not good, right? Um, AC Milan sells uh, Charles de Cattelier to Atalanta, and again. 
he scores. I'm not saying that like he didn't do well. I don't. I think he might have scored once um, in a Europa League qualification last summer, but he didn't do much of anything uh, for AC Milan last season. And Stefano Piola, the manager, said something that I found interesting, um, negatively in, in a sense, uh, the last few weeks, where he said that uh, De Cattelier did not give everything for the, the crest. He didn't give everything for the club that while while he was here. So we need to look at other options. And when I say negatively. If that's true, what, what does that mean? It means that his standard of performance, the uh, Ketzelaire's, was his standard of performance as far as expectation was communicated to him. When you do not communicate level of expectation, you're 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 rolling the dice, you know. So again, we'll see. I mean, I, I to me, it, this it's not the sporting director's job to raise the stand that's that's not that's not how to me that's unfair it's not it's not even that it's unfair it's unrealistic because you're you're asking somebody who is in charge of organizing and and um orchestrating a group of people to bring in talent to maintain pathways to also raise the level of performance on the pitch um that is you you well i mean to me, you, you have to have a very specific individual to do that. And the irony is that for AC Milan, you had that person. Yeah. I don't know. Something something obviously seems to have fallen out on that one. But but on the AC Milan one, I, I don't know. Maybe I uh, see, it, see it slightly differently. I mean, obviously, Ketelair, big money transfer. I mean, I think he's gone on loan, actually, to Atalanta. But, um, you know, and I think they, they're, they're bringing in a guy called um, Antonio um, D'Artovio, I think is his name, um, an internal recruit um, scouting. But so I don't know, maybe they're looking more internally and maybe they're recruiting right now just to make sure that they don't drop further than they than they have, I guess, potentially, and maybe trying to create within. Does that sound fair? I don't know. Where, on the, and then on the other side, the Chelsea one, I just, they're just accumulating talent. I don't, I don't, I don't, don't see, I don't, I don't know. What what's happening? It, AC Milan feels clearer to me than than Chelsea does right now. Oh, you're yeah. right. You're right. The, and, and I didn't say it clearly earlier. The thing about AC Milan that is intriguing, it's intriguing, is that they still. And, and this is where um, I I've I've said this. I've had this conversation with other people in in, in the football uh, space where it's it's just it's hard to have a conversation openly about it. Um, but the level of ego and the level of status inside clubs is immense. So, and that's not a negative or a positive thing. It's just a reality. So the clubs, the the the, the managers, the directors, the players, the owners, the, the clubs that usually do well consistently, they have clear identities and clear roles and relationships. Not because they're smarter than anybody, but it just there's you have so many alphas in a in a shark tank. You they're gonna eat each other. They they need to know what their role is. Um, end up right. And AC Milan still, still uh, after all the machinations of the past fifteen years has one of the best youth setups in Italy by far. They have talent in house. Not the level of Chelsea. Uh, I think Chelsea's in-house talent is still, uh, geez, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane, right? 
but there is a model and they have a a um a director in jeffrey moncada who can he can spot talent and mm-hmm. he's very keen to pathways if i have one public uh criticism constructively of chelsea <laughs> is i just where are the pathways where are the pathways where are the pathways and i'll say it again because i'm me where are the path like you have so much talent in every um in most positions right where are the pathways for them to succeed like and that's not a question for us on the outside at all it's just more so like i just don't see it i see so much talent aggregation that is enviable but then at the end of the day I mean, I joke around, uh, are, are we are we playing uh, Excel spreadsheet football or are we playing football on the pitch? Because at the end of the day, that talent, and I said it before, there has to be a return. Um, I had a conversation, a WhatsApp conversation with a couple of guys and they were like, you know, we're just, you know, just causing debate. You know, the Saudi uh, uh, Pro League, um, you know, they're spending a lot of money. And the question was essentially, which it was along the lines of which league is going to be a higher profile in 10 years, the MLS or the Saudi pro league. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you my answer. My answer is that, you know, it, it it depends which league is going to focus more on development because you can't, at, at the end of the day, you can buy players ad nauseum, right? But there has to be a return, (laughs) you know, like you cannot, you cannot spend a hundred million euros every single year for 10 years and not have a return. I have yet to see it. I will. I don't think we will ever see it. And um, the debate was, well, I mean, if you have the money, you, you're going to spend it. And to me that, I know, I'm, I know I'm by myself in saying this, but I see a lot of the similarities between the explosion in, in China, uh, the China, I want to call it the Chinese Premier League, um, with the, the the Saudi league in a sense that yes, yes, there's money, there's money. We're going to give you guys a budget. But then again, I, I mean, I, I am a broken record. What is the identity? What is the vision? And when I say vision, I mean like five, 10, 15, 20, 20 years on that. that those are things that, um, you know, uh, everybody envies around the world. Everybody envies the premier league for what it is. Nobody wants to remember and recall that the Premier League has been in existence for over 100 years. (laughs) It's not something that was, I mean, yes, the Premier League in its present incarnation, what, 1992 or 93, I forget what year in the early 90s. But those clubs, that general playing style, playing system uh, league in in the UK has been around for a century. That, that is sustainability. Not the other stuff, right? You can't you can't make up the ground atmosphere by bringing in high talented players or or high paying managers. That's not you can't do it the other way around. You have to have something that is a locally compelling, but b it has an identity that goes past paying players or managers to perform. Uh, that that makes sense actually. You know, it, it will. Um... It'd be interesting to see how how things pan out at, at, at both Chelsea and um, AC Milan over over the coming season. David, just one one final question, and this is just l- looking at all of the, the the directors that you profiled 
you know, and looking at various traits that they exhibit or don't exhibit, depending on the scenario. Is them, you know, some people, I guess, if I think about a business sense, right, some people work really well in a, in a smaller environment, a startup environment, for example, where they have their hands in a lot of pies effectively. And then you've got other people who work much more in a better in a corporate environment where, you know, there are big management structures, lots of decision makers, etc. For us, for sporting directors, which ones, I mean, do you see this type of working within sporting directors? Like some of them prefer to work in environments like, for example, Andrea Schicker, we talk about him a lot as term grass, right? He's been there very stable. He seems to be thriving in that environment. You thrust him in an environment like Chelsea, right? I mean, is it just a different ball game entirely? Different attribute list for a sporting director? If that makes I sense. So. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that at the end, I know, I know that at the end of the day, you you have to, you can interview wherever you want and you should. I mean, why not? You know, it, it's a resume builder, a CV builder in a sense. Um, but you should never, the, the, the directors who do well, are the ones who are aligned. There's that word I use every week again. Uh, they're aligned with the club's identity and vision. So um, and when we talk about Andrea Schicker a lot, I'm going to, I mean, I tweet, I think the next three weeks I have massive tweets about him. I don't see him as Sturmgratz uh, past this season, only in the sense that what he has done since 2020, COVID, what he has done since COVID at that small Austrian club is bananas. It, it doesn't make sense what he's been able to do simply because, they, I mean, they didn't have the budget. They, they essentially went from a budget of, I think, maybe eight or nine million euros, um, just as far as squad value. And over the course of four or five key transfers, it's close to 40. Okay. And this is a outside of the top. 10 league club right so to me you 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 have to know who you are you have to know who you are and and how you align you know what name he's not a director but know what name we don't talk about right now which is funny we don't talk about this person's name uh in the last probably four to six weeks julian nogglesman you know why we don't talk about julian nogglesman because the cycle for the clubs that would suit his style and would want his profile is closed for now, right? And that's not a negative thing. It's just a timing thing. And I want to believe that Julian is aware of the fact that he's gone from Hoffenheim to um, Salt. I think I think I'm getting this right. Hoffenheim to Salzburg to Leipzig to uh, Bayern. And he's been to the top of at least the, uh, the the Germanic League mountains. And he knows what he doesn't want, right? It's not about what you do want at this level anymore. What don't you want? Because as a player, you want to get paid well and you want to play with other good players, right? That that's Those are very basic wants. As a manager, it's more nuanced, right? You, you want to be able to have a project. Managers and directors, the reason why I focus on them a lot is that they need to have projects that they believe in. And with a, with a director, yes, um, I, 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 don't, I don't think, a, say, a, a director of the profile with um, Andrea Schicker would work well at, um, say, at Chelsea. 
um, simply because I don't know. I just it just doesn't seem it doesn't, there seems to be a clash there, right? I'm not saying it, it wouldn't work. I'm just saying that the performance on the pitch, that part is um, is somewhat of the black box. Uh, Andrea Schicker was able to get Christian, uh, Cristiano uh, Ilzer as his manager, and those two in tandem have done great things in Sturmgratz. I just, I don't, I mean, Chelsea is not a good example for me simply because Todd is there, Todd Bowley is there, and my suspicion is that Todd does a lot, um, respectfully, does a lot there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, could I see him, could, could, Andrea Schicker, could I see him at, say, a bigger club? Um, because one of, one of the underlying things for the Bundesliga this year is how the league got smaller. The HSVs aren't in the league. The Schalkes aren't in the league. Um, you have Heidenheim and Darmstadt. So you have these, quote unquote, smaller clubs. Well, uh, when you have a manager, a, a director, recruitment talent of the level of Andreas Schicker, choosing the right club is more important than choosing a big club. Because big clubs have big strings attached to them. And those strings are performance. And you have to perform in a certain way. Um, I, I, I reference it every couple of weeks. Bayern Munich fired Julian Nagelsmann. They fired Hassan Salahamidzic. And they fired Oliver Kahn. And they still won the Bundesliga. Right? I mean, I'm not saying it in sequence how it happened. I'm just saying they fired three key people in their football footballing operations. And they still won the league. They, they, in my opinion, they made those decisions, those recruitment or hiring decisions, firing decisions because of the standard not being met. And that is the key. The, cl- the clubs that we, um, when I say we, but uh, we as on the outside, the clubs that we are, are, we have an affinity towards, they have an identity. Real Madrid has an identity that people people who are Barcelona fans or what have you don't like and vice versa. Chelsea fans cannot stand Arsenal fans, right? Why is that? Because there's an identity. One says that they pro- you know, promote young talent. The other says they win championships. In reality, there, there's always a blend, right? There's always a blend. There's always a blend. But those identity, those, those criteria that allow us to decide why my club is better than your club, they're important. And they also happen at ownership boardroom level. You know what? It's, it's In all the conversations that we've had, David, it's one of the most fascinating things for me is, as to why certain sporting directors, I mean, the way they're judged, like we spoke previously about Andres Schicker. We spoke about Ralph Radnick. We spoke about Monchi. You know, we spoke a little bit about Christoph Freund. You know, these are sporting directors that we class as, of the elite caliber, right? Who, uh, who, who, you know, but, but to be judged on whether you've done well in your career, say as a player, as a manager, it's what you've won. You've been, we want to be at a big club, but maybe the right destination, as you mentioned for sporting directors, is not necessarily a big club. It's the right club, like you said, but then how are you judged on that? Right. How can you say, Oh, he was a great sporting director, right? It's like kind of like, a bit like Harry Kane, right? He played at Tottenham. They haven't won anything. But he's a great player, right? There's no denying, there's no dispute in it. So, sporting directors are they? I think we're gonna we're gonna have to have a different conversation on this because because we're running out of time today. But it's it's one of the things that I'm quite keen to explore. Um, I don't know if you are, but it's definitely I think one that I think will be interesting. 
Yeah, no, I it, it's so nuanced. It gets annoying sometimes because you you have to have you have to have different frames of the same conversation, right? Um, yeah. There's a difference between building a squad that stays uh, in the top tier versus tearing down a squad, putting in a new manager, and still having result. It's it's th- their skills that are just. I wouldn't even call it a skill. It's it's more so a reality. There's different levels of survival, right? Because you're always being judged on what might happen next, and it's it's not it is it is not realistic at all in any any other frame of life other than oh yeah politics. <laughs> yeah, there's always that as well, which I, which I guess there's more of in the in the bigger clubs. So you know, it's a, it's another thing that you have to navigate right to, to be a success but David you know what I really enjoyed the conversation today it, it's been great you know lots lots for us to unpack um, and you know as always I'll put David's uh, Twitter handle in the show notes he puts out some really really um, fascinating tweets he put out one I think this week where he just put culture is greater than KPIs so I wanted to explore that but we'll, maybe we'll do that next time but as always you know please also keep a lookout on our get football media outlets you know, where we cover European football and world football with news, videos, opinions. We did have a, our very first episode was actually about Andreas Schicker and we talked a bit about him there. Well, not a bit, quite a lot and some of his qualities. So I'll put a, a link to that in the show notes also. Um, I think it will be interesting for, for you to listen to. And as always, we just want to thank you for taking time out of your day um, to listen to myself and David talk about sporting directors and talk about football in what we believe is, is a different light. And finally, we just wish you a great day.